This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, Tinsley Law and Title, and Gibson Pharmacy. Their sponsorship allows me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by shopping these local businesses and by following each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael from Hannigan Media and I am in the courtroom of County Judge Wade McKinney. How are you doing today, Judge? I'm doing great, Michael. Good morning. Uh, all right, so it's Wednesday morning. We're here for our weekly interview to talk about what's going on in uh, our county government. But we're going to try something a little bit different this week um, because our number one topic this week is about um, hazard mitigation. And we're talking about like um, natural disasters and man-made disasters and all those kinds of really cool things. The normal disasters. The normal disasters. Pre-COVID disasters, the, yeah. The, yes, the everyday disaster <laughs> that doesn't come in pandemic size. Yes. Um, but we have a special guest today. Uh, Fire Marshal Shane Renberg is going to be here. And so I'm going to do something I've never done before, and I'm going to step away from the microphone. Brave and I'm man. going to turn the podcast over to you, and you get to be podcast host. You are such a brave man. <laughs> no, I'm going to go have a cup of coffee and okay, just yeah. let me know when you're back. All right, okay. so uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, County Judge Wade McKinney and Fire Marshal Shane Remberg on hazard mitigation. Yeah, we're going to be talking about all things emergency management. And the thing that most people do not understand, most individuals, myself didn't, if I wasn't involved in county government, is that emergency management encompasses so much. And those of you that know our fire marshal, Shane Renberg, he's been our fire marshal for a number of years and has not only been fire marshal investigating fires and things like that, but he also, Shane, you do a lot of stuff. You do public nuisance. Uh, tell us a few of the things that y'all do in your office. Uh, we do public nuisance, like you said, illegal dumping uh, cases, of course, arson investigations in Henderson County. Um, uh, a lot of the sewer complaints come through our office. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, we do all of the inspections in Henderson County. Uh, daycares, schools, nursing homes. Uh, so, yeah, you said it. We do it's, a lot. It's safe to say it's not your mom and dad's fire marshal's office anymore. It is actually through efforts at the state level and plus local initiatives. You don't just do fires. That's correct. We we do a lot more than fires. And, yeah. Um, well, in this in this last budget round, and you know this, but the public doesn't know this, but we are actually putting something else on the the fire marshal's office, which is emergency management. Yeah, and it, it's it's. Did uh, you volunteer for this? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I believe I told a, a previous judge before you that I would never say no to a challenge. So there you go. There uh, you go. So, that can-do yes. attitude. We, we can do it, definitely. 
Well, with that change in what Commissioner's Court did um, at the first of the year with those responsibilities transferring over, it actually puts us in line with many of the other counties and what is usually the normal uh, structure with that you have emergency management and fire marshals together. Kind of, is That's the norm, right? That is correct. Yeah, the fire marshal's office and emergency management has always worked closely together because uh, you know, fire marshals being the law enforcement side and on the fire side, uh, when you start talking about emergency situations and emergency management, those are all the people that are involved. So we actually touch all the aspects, and, yeah, uh, and it, and it, it would, makes sense. I mean, you and the and the sheriff's department work hand-in-hand hand during disasters, just as the fire marshal level, not involving the emergency management in for a number of years, right? Absolutely. I've, I've worked closely with the sheriff for many a number of years and, and we share a great relationship and, and yeah. every time we have a, some type of disaster in the county. Yeah, um, when the tornado came through in Eustis in 17, I mean, mm -hmm. y'all were there in the trailer, you mm -hmm. know, working the logistics, getting the um, the services out or the uh, assigning the assets to respond to what was going on. Yes, and, and that's why I think that you see in most counties that your fire marshal's office and emergency management are tied together because uh, it, I think it gets the information uh, there a little quicker right. um, and, and, and dealing with those disasters. So, yeah. and, and what I wanted to talk about today is that because of the emergency management responsibilities that have been added, we have this plan that mm -hmm. is our emergency management plan, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got mm -hmm. quite a few pieces to it that historically has been called annexes. Correct. And yeah. they each annex has a specific uh, responsibility, so forth and so on. Utilities. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to I used to head one of these uh, <laughs> housing, housing. Housing. That was the one. Yeah, sheltering. Yes. Yeah. It go through the alphabet, basically. Yeah. That's so. Uh, and as a part of this, these annexes have to be updated. Um, yes. Once every five years. Yes, that's correct. Like that. Once every five years. And the big one that we really want to talk about is Annex P, which is hazard mitigation. What are the how are we going about updating? What are the requirements? What are the things we have to do to update this hazard mitigation plan? And I guess basically, what is the hazard mitigation plan? Right. That'd be a better. Well, word. If, if I can explain, since you did bring up the basic plan, because mm -hmm. a lot of people do get the basic plan and the hazard mitigation plan confused and think maybe they're one and the same and they're actually not. Um, so I want to throw that out there because hazard mitigation plan is a very large plan that is just simply part of the um, Henderson County Emergency Management Basic Plan, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah. taking you to Annex P. So Annex P hazard mitigation again has to be updated every five years um, so in here in this county, in every county, uh, what we are trying to do is to mitigate potential hazards in the county. And so I guess at face value, you would think that, oh, okay, so we have tornadoes and we have storms every once in a while, and, and you know, maybe we have fires, but there's so much more that goes into it. And so bringing all of this information together is what we are trying to do right now and uh, we have to have every city inside of Henderson right. County involved. It involves a lot of partners Absolutely. involved in this. Um, every city is a partner in this plan. Um, we have 18 
in Henderson County. Um, 18, 18 cities. 18 cities. That's kind of one of the anomalies of Henderson County, is, is it, it not? Is. So many small municipalities. It, it is. Uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of other counties and how they go about this process. Uh, and in that, the one thing that we do find is, is oh, they don't have this many cities. <laughs> so uh, trying to get that group of people together sometimes and, and come up with a plan, it, it can be difficult. Right, so it's because a lot of work. as we've seen time and time again, so many of these positions, these civic positions are vo- volunteer. Sure. They're, they're normal people every day working a job. And to get them to be able to take part in this sometimes is a difficulty in of itself due to scheduling. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, FEMA has, um, I guess, regulations in a way that this plan has to be put together. And one of those requirements is that those cities do get involved in this plan and participate. And not only the different cities, we also have to have involvement from the citizens out in the public and Mm -hmm. have their input into this plan. And we do that. We've put up a survey on our website at henderson-county.com. You want to go into some of that? Sure. So the uh, we call it the survey monkey i guess that's a general term for it but it's actually on the website we're calling it the uh, hazard mitigation plan citizen survey and on the county website if on the uh, original i guess home page if you look up in the top uh, red bar it's over on the far right side and you can click on that and when that comes up you're going to see a list of uh, 11 questions and when we put this together we, we we were trying to make it as easy as possible for people to fill out we didn't want it to have 30 questions and and uh, because we really need people to fill this out for us right and it goes into how long have you lived in Texas do you rent own even what kind of maybe experience you've had with a disaster before yes that's true these are these are questions and answers that you probably will know off the top of your head it's not like you have to go and and dig through your house and and look for any kind of information Um, and we even have a couple of questions in there that says if you don't know this it's fine just skip to the next question Uh, but this is something that we really do need every citizen that can in Henderson County to go on there and fill out because this this is a part of the requirement FEMA requirements of having that engagement with the community so that your plan really is far-reaching and inclusive that, yes that's correct we, okay. we have to have this information and uh, we will compile this information and based off of the information we get it helps us Uh, steer our plan into the direction that not only the county and the cities but also what the citizens believe are the highest risk hazards in Henderson County and what's important to them. Well and this having Annex P up to date which is again our mitigation plan Mm -hmm. is very integral in the whole hierarchy of disaster funding if something hits. Yes. I mean, you have to have these in place? We do have to have these in place. Uh, if, uh, if there is a disaster in the county, of course, uh, the way this works, we, we handle everything we can at the city level, and then the county steps in, and if the county can't handle it, it goes to the state, and then from there it would go to FEMA. Without these plans in place, we would not be eligible for any type of FEMA funding um, well, to help support us if we needed it. 
And having these in place also open us up to possible grant funding to help mitigate yes, some of these there, issues? there's grant funding opportunities out there. Um, there is, uh, there's a lot of different avenues that, and doors that these plans open up. So it's, it's kind of a win-win for the county, mm -hmm. I guess. We become more prepared because we recognize the hazards in Henderson County and on the flip side, it also prepares the state and the federal level to be looking no. forward because our plans are used as part of the state's plan. Mm -hmm. So they basically take our plan and, and then they plan on what they might have to deal with. Almost as like a forecasting model of where you have liabilities. Absolutely. All right. Well, I know that um, you assuming this position it'll take place january the first mm -hmm. of um the coming year of 2021 be so glad when 2020 is over but <laughs> uh, the um this is something that you're already currently working on in conjunction so that we can hit the hit the ground running mm -hmm. come january the first um you know when you when you think about emergency management um it really includes everyone in the in all organizations it comes in preparedness it becomes in response and uh, a lot of it comes to good communication and that's basically what we're trying to do here today is to to so that folks are engaged and can understand and and have comfort in knowing that you know the organizations that they work with are prepared and able to serve meet those needs Yes, and, and, and that's basically what this process brings together. Mm. Uh, so uh, helping all of us um, communicate better, uh, communicate with every fire department, every city, every citizen in Henderson County, so that when we do have these disasters, um, we are prepared for them and everybody expects yeah. or knows what to do. I, w I wish we had the sheriff in here on this because, you know, we're doing the radio communications upgrade, you know, the command mm -hmm. trailer. We mm -hmm. were just walking through that, what, two weeks ago, you yes. and the sheriff and mm -hmm. I and IT on how we upgrade it and to better have these capabilities in place to respond. Yes. Uh, and, and like you said, the people that play a role in every uh, situation that comes up in Henderson County, the the sheriff's department, the fire departments, uh, what it all entails is yeah. it, it works good. It, it really does. You know, local municipal officials, public works. Absolutely, I mean, public works, and, and the volunteers, the volunteers with the fire departments. Yes, I mean we can't talk enough about. We ought to have a whole segment about what they provide. Yes, that's what we have. Twenty-two fire departments in Henderson County. A lot of people that blows their mind because we have so 22 many. Twenty-two fire. Twenty-two. Yeah. There's over four hundred volunteer firemen in Henderson County, which is unbelievable yeah, it is it truly is well uh man thank you i mean you've always you have wanted to step up to the uh, you know have always been willing to step up and help and this is a huge amount of responsibility to add what I already got i just appreciate you visiting with us today yeah. about it and helping get it out there and again folks um henderson-county.com yes and it's called the hazard mitigation plans citizen survey and it's up on the banner in the red area you know just right down from the covid information which we'll probably be clicking on here pretty quick michael's giving us the thumbs up so Shane, thanks a lot. We you really bet. appreciate you doing yeah. this. Thank you. Hey, are we going to be Hal Jay and Dick Siegel one day? 
Do you remember how Jay and Dick Siegel? No. Oh my gosh. WBAP? Look, I grew up in Philly. I know, but you were Jersey. here 20 years. You've been here 20 years. 26, 27. 820 AM. Do you listen to AM radio at all? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, no, absolutely not. Some of you will out there know the the reference to how Jay and Dick Siegel. I don't. So. I don't. I don't know that. <laughs> I do know that you can now put podcaster on your uh, resume. Oh, really? Yeah, very good. You did, Thank you. So how did check it, check? Yeah, how did that? How did that feel to be the host? Oh, it was um, different. <laughs> it was very different. Well, I, I thought you guys did a great job. Um, and so some of the things that really struck me were, I can't imagine trying to balance planning with 18 cities, 18 municipalities, 22 volunteer fire departments, plus you know 80,000 people that you have to worry about yeah. across the county. Uh, we're talking about a huge, huge um, undertaking. And the other part of that is, if you're in an emergency situation, it is too late to plan. It is. It really is. And the way the structure is, um, county judge in every county is the emergency management director, and they have a coordinator that fills this role and that is constantly updating plans and ensuring that that engagement takes place so that at the drop of a hat, everything can move. Right. And so that's... Um it really struck me what a what a balancing act it'll be a juggling act and how important the input is and so is. please make sure to go and take the survey the hazardous mitigation plan survey uh, we will put the link in the story so that you can get to it quickly but it's also on the county website right at the top you can't miss it click it take a few minutes um, and it's a way that you can do something um, productive to help your county plan exactly. for uh, disasters. And it's not like we haven't seen disasters. No, it isn't like we haven't seen tornadoes rip through Eustis. Right. Um, you know, or flooding issues or any of those kinds of things. Tornadoes and flooding are our two yeah. most often occurring disasters. Yeah, those are the two that we most worry about right. in our area. All right, so uh, let's move on. We want to talk today now. We want to do our weekly COVID update. It's something that we do every single week. Um, And I took a glance at it um, Mm. the other day. Uh, I haven't today, um, but I glanced at it early in the week. And we were feeling very, very confident a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm quite as confident as I felt back then. Well, remember what we've spoken about. Uh, it is that trend. And yes, we are seeing a slight upward trend over the last, um, well, really, it'd been kind of flat the last five days, but it has been kind of inching up. And we took a pretty good jump yesterday but I were of 19 cases in the hospitalizations for TSAG, which, again, is the trauma service area that we are a part of. 
And I remind everyone, it's not the daily specific numbers. It's that trend over sure. time. And we have been trending a little bit up. Sure. And it has kind of gotten our attention. We, I believe you put it as our eyebrow was raised last yeah. week as we looked at yeah. it. Yeah, and, and but, today as we sit here were over 200 in the hospital for the right. first time in a month. Yes, uh, it w- it was surprising to go to 207. The last time we were at 200 was at the first of September. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's been a month. Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing the trend upward. Like mm-hmm. you said, I, you know we, and and again for those who uh, are new to the podcast or who have not heard our COVID updates, our weekly COVID updates. Uh, we don't really talk about cases because there are so much of a variation in um, when cases get reported. There are data dumps, and we're not um, we're that that's not as a criticism. I can't imagine the the yeah. the workload exactly. on Net Health right now, right. Um, and so that's not a criticism. But we know that if we look at hospitalizations, we have a consistent. You haven't mentioned before it lags a little. It lags a but, little, right. But a consistent marker for what's happening in our community and how sick the community is. Right. And over the last two weeks, it has been trending up. You know, and there's one other variable with hospitalizations that I've been investigating and looking at, and that's the number of staffed beds per TSA. And... For our TSA, yesterday we had 2,500 staffed beds sure. for our TSA. That means beds that are available for usage uh, or they have someone in there. Lufkin, TSAH, only has 546 beds, and they are just to the south of us, and they are currently above that 15% covid hospitalization and when you look to the north tsaf has 934 i would believe that some of our elevated numbers are due to transfers that take place from hospital to hospital under normal circumstances in that because we have such a higher capacity than our two neighboring tsas it's another one of those variables i'm investigating that sure. to, to follow that sure. up but uh, it, it would well it would certainly be a possibility right. particularly if we're talking about those kind of daily jumps that we, right. we discuss but again we're still looking at a trend that's Trends, right. trending in the wrong direction. You know, everyone needs to continue being careful. Well, and I think that what we've seen is that, um, and I'm going to raise my hand as guilty, um, there's a possibility that I think some people are starting to get a little bit of a false sense of security, mm. of safety. Um, I'm seeing... Uh, I'm seeing a little less discretion when it comes to masks and mm-hmm. social distancing in public. I'm seeing people who um, have seemed to just, okay, we're back to normal. Right. And um, I understand the, I understand the um, uh, drive to want to do that. Right. Particularly because, like we said, the first few weeks right after, because what we were looking at was the start of school mm-hmm. and Labor Day. Right. And we were really worried the first couple of weeks after that. Yeah. And everything looked really good. Yeah. 
and it looked good for like three weeks. Mm -hmm. And everybody went deep breath. Hey, we're doing it. Right. The governor, yeah. the governor does his thing and opens up restaurants to, to 75%, 75 right, capacity 75%. Um, and, and, and put some things into place. Um, and now we're starting to creep up again. And we are seeing there are three TSAs that are still under the 50% um, capacity opening that had had 15% uh, or more for seven consecutive days. And uh, incidentally, one fell off that had been, which was the um, T uh, TSA um, V, I believe, but they added in TSA M due to um, what was happening down in the Waco so area. So we lost Brownsville, but we gained Waco. Right. You know, for a stretch there, we had three TSAs, sure. and then right. it went to four, and now it's back to three. Sure. You know, when you look at the state as a whole, it has come come down so drastically from nearly 11,000 to 3,300. Yeah, but you're going back to before July. I mean, you were actually the 4th during of July. July. Yeah. yeah, during right July. Right after the 4th of July was our big spike in the state. And and the concern is is that, you know, it could it could run back up there if the measures that we have of individuals taking well, the and that's, precautions that's that exactly we could get there what, again. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's what I'm seeing with this right. trend that's really worrying me. I mean, I thought we had said goodbye to 200. Yeah. And yeah. and we're over 200 again. And that's, right. that is worrisome. Yeah. That it, is worrisome. It is. And keeping the, the hospital system uh, functioning because we don't want to overwhelm the hospital. Um, you know, it's 2020. If everyone continues to take the same precautions as before, it's better for a slow burn of a continual presence of it than to have a big spike. We, so. go, we go back to, um, and, and it's interesting how much the narrative has changed mm -hmm. since the beginning of the year. But the big thing, the only thing we were, the thing that we were most worried about at the beginning of the year was don't overwhelm right. healthcare system. Don't right. overwhelm the hospitals. And I think that, uh, in Texas, for the most part, that's been accomplished. I think that in Houston, they had a little problem there they for did. a little bit. Right. Um, but for the most part, that's been that's been handled. Um, but I still say that w there's we were down into the middle hundreds. Yeah, yeah one fifty one. You know, yeah, there's there's no reason for us to be back over two hundred again because we know. Right. What mitigates this, and it's social distancing. Mm -hmm. When you're in um, public spaces, right, you're in a crowd, you're in a store, you're in wear your mask, right? Um, and you know, wash and sanitize your hands. I mean, those yeah. three things actually work. They and, do, and and do this. And as I've also said before, we're getting into flu season. Right. You know, so if it's not for one, it should be for the other. Yeah, the sad part about it is, and we go back for, and we go back to this once again, and, and, and you know, it's hard to even talk about COVID without talking about the fact that the president and what's happening in the White House right now with COVID. Right. And um, the, the sad part about this is it has become such a political football. It has. That um, you can't. 
try to take any kind of stance or say anything about this without people um, um, without people immediately ascribing some kind of political uh, thought process to right. it. That is that is not what this is. Like, uh, I'm so I heard something this week that just made so much sense to me. Um, but like asking you to wear a mask in a public space is not a like. Uh, is not infringing on your rights. Like you've never thought twice about the fact <laughs> that we ask you to wear pants. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I mean, I mean, what if <laughs> what if someone comes in and says you're infringing on my rights because you're making me wear pants? Right. Like, like right. okay, well, you know, it it truly is. It all comes down to being sure that we. We protect ourselves and protect our community. You know, and we just had a discussion about emergency management, right? And that's what these type of things roll into. You know, when months ago we could, if a, you called an ambulance out for a service, they would have to be completely rigged up, almost as oh, if yeah. you know, a, like a hazmat suit, sure. just to come in and check on you to be able to deliver life-saving services. Sure. And we were telling our people, only one, only one person. Everybody yeah. else stay back. These are things that can snowball and just remind everyone of just how difficult and important um, this is that we not get back into that position. Yeah, it's it, it, and I am I. Uh, there is a phrase that so many people use, um, and I really hate the phrase because I think that it's like a statistic. <laughs> Anybody can make it mean anything that they want to mean. Exactly, and that's the phrase common sense. Mm-hmm. However. Um, I think that there is a moderate middle ground on how to deal yes. with this that is the place that really works well. I, I, I understand, like, I, and I'm not, I am not advocating for reducing business again or going right. to, I am an advocate for if you want businesses to be open please stick a mask on when you walk into the business and you're walking around, particularly if there's like 15 or 20 people in the, in the business with you, right. put a mask on. It doesn't hurt anything and it helps. Exactly. I mean, the, the more we keep this under con- control, the better our lives are, the better. Exactly. Our- exactly. And it that seems so in, easy in the economy and the economy can exactly. Yeah. What, like when we are doing it, the the numbers drop right we we've seen it it's it's right there in black and white it's right there in black and white right. on your on the on the uh uh there you go. spreadsheet yeah. that anybody can look at by going right to henderson-county.com that's right and at the top see the covid click on the covid updates and it's right there Take you can you click right on it, it and you can look right at the data that right. the judge and I look at Every week. All right, that's enough of that. I feel like I'm preaching. um, And I feel like, you know, and it's sad because um, we are close enough to the presidential election where uh, I'm afraid that if I say anything that there's somebody that's going to just go left on me because I I read in story in the paper, uh, in the paper, who knows? Anyway, I read a story this morning about an 80-year-old man that got killed. Yes, I read that too. 
because he confronted somebody about not wearing their mask right and putting somebody in danger and they and this 80 year old man got pushed down and ended up hitting his head and dying yeah i mean people are literally dying over this mm-hmm. we could we could do a <laughs> two-hour podcast on what the reactions have been oh. and you know <sighs> Do you should can we can it we makes call, my head hurt. can we call can we call the podcast love your neighbor that would be perfect yeah. that would be perfect All we right. just need some great um what was it 1865 intro music yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly the 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 uh I'm, i've been getting in trouble because i've been posting some things that are probably not whatever but i did post love your neighbor unless they have a different political sign in there. I'm sorry, I got to say this. That scripture 2020 yes. is awesome, Michael. <laughs> it you. is awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. And with that, folks, we're going to check out. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Judge, for giving us a chance to look in on our county government. It touches everybody in the county. Yeah. It's um, the only local government that does touch everybody in the county. Exactly. Um, and so a vitally important. It looked like you had one last thing. Oh, I just wanted to say thank you for being so brave and letting me take the mic <laughs> for a little while. That's all right. I was in the back taking a nap. <laughs> uh, so, folks, we will see you next week here with County Judge Wade McKinney and the County Podcast. Thanks, Mike.